WENJ, WENJ HD, Millville Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. Welcome into a Friday edition of the Sports Bash. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gell here on a Friday, along with Hunter Brody, 97.3 ESPN. Of course, the Play Sugar House text board is open for you to get on the conversation at 609-403-0973. Got a busy show ahead of us today. Of course, we got uh, Zuba Mahenti, the new morning show host for ESPN Radio starting August 17th. It will be Zubin, Keyshawn Johnson, and Jay Williams. Find out from him more about that show and also some of his perspective. You know, he used to work here at South Jersey Hunter, so we'll get into him about some of his personal experiences. Plus, Gil Caps from the Golf Channel will talk some PGA Championship because in the midst of the whole world going on, the first golf major of the year is going on, and Tiger Woods is in the hunt. Does that get your juices blowing a little bit? Of course, absolutely it does. I will say, though, I feel like in the past, I've been a little bit more juiced up for Thursday, Friday, Saturday action. Maybe it's because you got the Flyers ready to win the Stanley Cup and you got the Phillies splitting with the Yankees. Like, there's so much going on that it might be taking away from the first couple days of the major. But I think by Sunday, as long as you got decent people in play, I should be dialed in by then. Well, we got we got Gil Caps to join us to get more information about what's going on there because... There's a lot of dudes who are finishing very low in the scoring. They're scoring really well out there in the first round. Can they keep it up? So that's going to be something we need to talk about. Plus, we got Adam Kaplan on a Friday, not a Thursday. That's exciting. Inside the Birds just broke some news today with Jeff Mosher, Vinnie Curry, re-signing with the Eagles. A big re-signing. And we'll get into Kaplan about why he re-signed with the Eagles because according to Jeff Mosher, the other team that was in play was the Cleveland Browns. How do you feel about that, Broads? Well, I think it makes a lot of sense for the Eagles to bring him in. you got to have some depth on that defensive line, and I think they need that, especially you know when it comes to edge rushing. I think they need help at that defensive end position, and then think about with what's going on with Derek Barnett. He gets banged up a lot. It's a, it's a good move for the Eagles, and you have someone who's been in the organization before who clearly understands this system, and understands Doug Peterson and understands this locker room. And also, if you think about it, you know, because there is, you know, no minicamp, no OTAs, how how really up to speed are some of these guys coming in the camp? Like, no offense to Joel Osman, right? How many times have we heard that name in the last year on the Inside the Birds podcast and here on Football at 4 on 97.3 ESPN? Well, maybe he's not 100%. Maybe he's not really fully ready to go. Right, so maybe it's not just Barnett. Maybe it's the other guys, too. You know, how far along is Josh Sweat in his development? I don't really know. Nobody really knows. And I think the value of Curry as a versatile guy is so important for the Eagles. So we're going to get all of that with Adam Kaplan coming up at Football 4 Plus. Sixers back in action tonight. No Ben Simmons. Partial dislocation of the knee. I'm not going to use the word that was originally used because I think it's a cheap way of making people sound smarter than they really are. You'll, you don't need you to use B 
big medical terms that tell us what's wrong with Ben Simmons. Well, what term got you a little frustrated? Because clearly you're a little amped up because somebody used a term that got you a little upset. I'm I'm gonna pull it up. Was so it I don't... patella? No. <laughs> I, I was pre- gonna I was gonna say I didn't think patella was that big of a deal. No, no, but it's not patella. Um, let me see here. Here it is. Now, remember, this is from the original Sixers release. Ben Simmons suffered a subluxation of the left kneecap. So that's what you didn't like. 95% of the United States has no idea what subluxation is. Yeah, but here's the thing. We normally get upset with the Sixers for not telling us the proper information. Here they are dropping the knowledge to us, and now we're upset about that? Are they dropping knowledge or are they just saying, look how smart I am because I can use these words? No, that's not what they're saying. There's no way the Sixers medical staff and the Sixers PR department goes, look how smart we look by using the actual medical staff. That's passive aggressive. What do you mean? It's they're giving us what's wrong. He goes, he gets a diagnosis. It's a and- partial knee dislocation. Okay, but that's the word that's used in the field. That's what they're supposed to use. No, if I go to the doctor, the doctor's job is to tell me in my understanding, what's wrong with me? Now I use a bunch of fancy words and maybe like, can you explain that back to me in English? Well, that's different when you're just a standard human being going to get a little thing checked out. When you're the 76ers and your superstar player has a problem, they're going to tell you the information that they have, and that's what it is. They're not going to dumb it down for you in a PR statement. It's not dumbing it down. It's laying it out in verbiage that the majority of the population can understand. But their job is to tell the the fan base, and normally they never do. Normally it takes them forever, you don't get the right stuff. Here, I'm surprised, they actually handed it right out to the public and to the media. This is what he has No, what you do is you put it in parentheses and say, this is what it means. That's not their job, though. Their job is to lay out a PR statement to tell everyone what he has. From you, or from there, it's on you to kind of figure out, all right, what's going on here? Oh, okay, so it's our job, you and me, to translate for the audience. Is that what you're trying to say? I'm just saying, in general, it's not the Sixers' job to have to dumb it down in a PR statement. That's all. Well, either way, Michael Caskey Blomain from CBS Sports, Sixers insider, NBA writer, is going to join us at 5 o'clock to talk more Sixers because the likelihood is that whatever you want to call Ben Simmons' knee situation, whether you want to call it a subluxation or a partial knee dislocation or just a knee problem in general, okay, whatever you want to call it, he's going to be out a while. However long that while is, how will that impact the 76ers? We got to get into that with MKB coming up. Like I said, the Play Sugar House text board is open at 609-403-0973. You mentioned those flyers. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho. I got a good story about last night. Oh, you got a good now, story. Now, I had my phone charging away from my couch, so I didn't have access to my phone. I was watching. I got sucked into, this is after the Philadelphia Flyers just put on a whopping 3-1 to display against the Capitals, where they have now held Alexander Ovechkin to zero points in five games. But I digress. I was watching a little Toronto Maple Leafs Columbus Blue Jackets action, yeah. and my phone was off to the side. Okay. So I was like, you know what? Here's a commercial. Let me go check my phone, see if I have any texts. Oh, do I have some texts? You... And Mike Gill, both blowing me up about Toronto and Columbus. And I'll say this. I'm not saying you guys aren't hockey fans. You guys are obviously hockey fans. But I feel like 
There was no way in hell that you guys were sitting there that excited for a Blue Jackets-Toronto Maple Leafs matchup maybe, say, a year ago or so. Okay, now I can't speak for Mike Gill, but I feel like I watch more hockey than the average sports guy in general. And part of it has to do with my own personal background. Because when I initially moved down to South Jersey, the 115 42nd Street, a house that is no longer there, by the way, so I can use that address. It's not going to hurt anybody's feelings. All right? I had a neighbor who was very nice enough to let me borrow his hockey equipment, and we played street hockey, right? And he got me into the hockey world, okay? And so ever since then, I've had an affinity for hockey beyond just the I'm a Flyers fan guy, okay? So for me, I watch NHL Network a good amount, and I watch all the hockey. Now, I'll admit it. I can't tell you more than maybe two or three guys on the Minnesota Wild, but I know who's on Columbus, and I know who's on Toronto, and I know about the history between those teams and Tortorella and all the situation with Toronto firing their head coach and now Austin Matthews, one of the five best players in the league. I know who the teams are. Oh, I know you do. So for me, when I flip on the game, at first I was like, Oh man, this is going to be a blowout. I mean, it's already getting to be three nothing. Columbus isn't doing anything, and then Columbus starts scratching their way back into it. I'm like, all right, here we go. And then went to overtime. I had to immediately text you and be like, we're going to overtime, baby! Hockey playoffs! Woo! Yeah, I know. I love it. I just feel like I brought maybe an extra step of juice when it comes to hockey. That's why I'm not saying you guys were anti hockey before, but. You know, the fact that we're in here in the studio sometimes, we're at a commercial break or before the show starts and, and we have a little New York Islanders, Florida Panthers action on, we're, we're like engaged, screaming at the TV. I feel like that extra juice, and I love it. I mean, when I saw both you guys texting me on my phone last night about the Columbus Blue Jackets, it put a smile on my face. That's all. I love it. I want you guys to watch every game. I want to get to the point where it's the NBA Finals Game 7. But Gil is thinking, ah, you know what? I think those Florida Panthers are playing at the same time. I might have to tune into that instead. There's no way that's happening, huh? No, no. <laughs> Gil, Gil loves the NBA way too I much. I know, I know. I'm joking. I do too. But, but I let- think, but listen, if if a team that he found interesting along the way that's not the Flyers happens to be in the Stanley Cup, but the Flyers are not there, you know, he he's going to watch it because it's the Stanley Cup final. So, oh, I agree with uh, that. Now, I will give you credit. You have you have elevated the hockey energy in the studio in a way that Pete Thompson and Billy Schwein have been unable to do. But they're so, hockey guys. Now you're you're a hockey guy. You played hockey. Okay? Oh, I saw the pictures of Schwein and PT. They're hockey guys. They've played. PT is a hockey guy in the sense that he loves the game of hockey. And he's a diehard Flyers fan. And he's been watching it his whole life. Billy Schwein's a hockey guy in that he's a diehard Flyers fan. And he knows a lot of former hockey players. You have immersed a huge part of your life in just hockey. To me, your being a hockey guy is the equivalent of me being the UFC guy. That's how I look at it. I can see that. So well, Speaking be- of the hockey guy, though. Yeah. How about them Flyers? How about that defense? They look so good. That defense again. I know. And it's not only what they're doing defensively. It's like this Flyers team have the defensemen, the youthful defensemen, jumping up into play. That goal by Sandheim, filth. 
Those passes by Kevin Hayes, Wayne Gretzky. I mean, that's what it looked passes, like out there. Travis Konechny. Yeah, that pass too went Woo! by Travis Konechny. That, that was, was on the Sports Center top ten last night. By the way, Zuma Mahenti joining us coming up in five minutes. He had the Sports Center top ten last night. Kevin Hayes had so many passes out there that might get unnoticed by some casual fans. They are just beautiful passes. Execution was unbelievable. Threaded the needle through a couple defensemen. Threaded the needle through the blue paint. I mean, he was all over the place. And it reminded me of, of Miracle when uh, Herb Brooks was thinking about bringing a line of Coneheads to Europe when he, when he was talking about the guys. And the, the assistant coach was like, uh, the Coneheads are coming in. And Herb Brooks was like, who? Coneheads, yeah. He's like, oh, you know. And he's like, looks like we're bringing a line of Coneheads to Europe. These are the Coneheads. <laughs> Scott Lawton, Kevin Hayes, Travis Konechny. We got the Coneheads. How about that? I'm fired up with this team. I really think we're winning the cup. Now, let me ask you this. Is part of the reason why you're fired up because the Sixers are so exasperating to you and the Phillies' bullpen is driving you nuts that you just need something to grab onto and that the Flyers are playing so well it, it makes the other two teams more frustrating. I'll say this. I, I do think that the fact that the other teams are frustrating, it definitely adds a different layer to it. But even if the Sixers were playing as well as the, as the Bucks, or even if the Phillies actually had a bullpen that could get it out, I would still be this fired up about the Flyers okay. because we haven't seen this team play this well in so long. And this team is so damn good. This team is so good. And I don't feel like they're getting appreciated enough. It's starting to come back. And it was happening before the break occurred. But this team is so awesome. And to an extent, I know this might not sound right, but I kind of like the fact that the other teams are struggling because I feel like people who would never give them a chance if the Sixers were really talented are now giving them a chance because it's a breath of fresh air that Hold they on. have something so satisfying. So what you're saying is if it wasn't for the environment that we're in, maybe the Flyers wouldn't be getting the the attention that they deserve, but now they maybe are. I agree with that, yeah. Would you disagree? I wouldn't disagree because all the ratings show that even the mediocre matchups on NBC Sports Network and on NBC on television, they're getting good ratings. People are watching hockey. And remember, they weren't watching MLS, but they are watching hockey. I find that interesting. Also, keep in mind, with MLS action, there wasn't even basketball then. Correct. The hockey's doing this. Or baseball. With basketball and baseball. And what I love about what hockey's doing is you have it all day. All day. I'm surprised that the NBA, I know the NBA does have games spaced out, but you know every day you wake up, you have hockey on at noon. I mean, sometimes there's days where it starts at 2 instead. But it feels a little hockey, March Madness. It, it does feel that way. And I'm surprised with basketball that they have some games that are not televised. You're thinking, here's an opportunity to knock this out of the park, and you're not going to televise some games? I think the NHL has done a really great job with this, and, and I'm, like, pleasantly surprised. Not that I expected it to be a dumpster fire, but you know where they land on the pecking order in the United States, and you know Gary Bettman. I think this has just been phenomenal when it comes to the NHL. I think there's something to be said for the quality of product you put on the television, and the TV and digital ratings, by the way, show us that since sports started returning back in May, there is a handful of sports that have done really well. All right? And hockey is one of them. And the UFC is one of them. 
and these are two sport entities that are niche sports. They're not mainstream like the NFL. And if they're growing an audience, I think that speaks to the television product. Because you know who didn't do as well? MLS. You know who's been inconsistent? The PGA from week to week. Because people, what do they do? They say if Tiger isn't there or Brooks Kepka isn't there, maybe they don't care as much. Or you look at NASCAR. NASCAR was doing really well. And since, it's, uh, it's backed off a little bit. Now that people have other options to watch. The NBA is doing great. The NHL is doing great in the ratings. Baseball, hit or miss. You know, Yankees, Red Sox, people are there. Maybe not Yankees, Red Sox, not so much. I think it says something about the television and quality of the game product that's being put on the screen. You might have had that problem with baseball before the pandemic, though, which is a story in itself, you know? Like the problem that people are so regionalized in baseball. I'm not one of them, but realistically, it is so regionalized to the point where you won't have that casual fan watching the Angels play the Seattle Mariners. No. But we got the Panthers and the Islanders here on the studio. By the way, a little bit later this hour, I got some Flyers news for you. Ooh, I'm excited. Flyers news from Kevin Durso coming up in about uh, 30 minutes from now. You know what I have for you? What's that? Some Flyers reaction calls from the Anytime Hotline. I like that. We're getting reactions to the Flyers now. What's that uh, reaction number again? 856-442-9805. It's open 24-7. You can leave a message right after the game, mid-game, pre-game, you name it. We might not give you the uh, shout-out for the pre-game call because you might sound like an idiot, though. Fair enough. Sports Bash here, 97.3 ESPN being brought to you by the New Jersey Department of Agriculture. Jersey Fresh Eggplant is great fried, baked, or grilled and available in many varieties. Be sure to pick up your Jersey Fresh Eggplant at your favorite local market. Stay local, buy Jersey Fresh. So we got hockey talk coming up in the show. The PGA Tour, the first major of the year this weekend with Gil Caps. Vinny Curry signs with the Eagles. What does it mean? All that and more with Adam Kaplan, football at four. What is the Sixers' future minus Ben Simmons? At least short term, Michael Kasky will remain at 5 p.m. But coming up next, former TV 40 man, anchor, Zubin Mahenti now. He is not just your Sports Center anchor on ESPN TV. He's also going to be your morning show host right here on 97.3 ESPN starting August 17th. We'll talk with Zubin about South Jersey, the NHL, the Sixers, and more next here on 97.3 ESPN FM and 97.3 ESPN mobile app. Off-season. By no means are we a finished product. What off-season? ESPN. Welcome back into the Sports Pass. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gale here on 97.3 ESPN. It's a TGIF Friday, and it's exciting to have back on the show. He is going to be the co-host of the brand-new ESPN Radio Morning Show, 6 to 10, right here on 97.3 ESPN. He's also a guy who's worked in South Jersey, Zuva Mahenti. He worked at NBC TV 40, and now he's going to be your morning show host every Monday through Friday right here on 97.3 ESPN. He joins us now on the Boardwalk Kind of Hotline. Zuva, how are you doing this Friday? Good, good. I don't know if I mentioned this the last time I was on. I was actually trying to think of the very first story I ever covered, a sports story at NBC 40, which really would be the first story I pretty much had covered professionally in my life. I'm 42 now. I was at NBC 40 from 2000 to 2001. It was one of my first jobs out of school. Uh, I went to Rutgers. I'm a Jersey guy. I grew up in Jersey uh, my whole life, central New Jersey. I think my very first story 
was the uh, a football preview of the 2000 Vineland High School football team. I have no idea what they look like 20 years later. I'm not sure what the prognosis is this year, but I think that was my first story, the 2000 Vineland High football TV preview. I mean, that that's a throwback in and of itself, just the, the thought of what television was like back then to what it is now. Really quick, let's touch on that real quick, because you're someone who's worked in television in different iterations. Give the audience an idea of how different television is back then to what it is like now. Because, you know, you're doing Sports Center now and people see you on TV. But, you know, in, in about 20 years, television technology has changed a lot. I'll give you a good example. So when I, I, at, at, when I arrived at NBC 40, I still remember the day, August 25th, 2000. Uh, so almost, almost 20 years ago now to the day, I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, but when we were working at NBC 40, we had our typical, you know, newscast late evening, early evening, late evening. And I remember not every computer in the newsroom had the internet. That was not odd. <laughs> um, we were submitting things by hand. So, you know, sometimes those graphics that go over your shoulder that show the team logos when you're doing a highlight, we would have to say, like, please show me Atlantic City versus Hamilton, or I know St. Joseph's, you know, they were a big powerhouse when I was there, or this, this is Pete Lancetta, Hamilton High football coach at the time. You know, you would literally be hand This is Gary Degenhart. You know, you'd be literally right. writing these names down on a piece of paper. Now, obviously, you know, me and you are talking and texting and all this sort of stuff. But that was the way it was 20 years ago. It was incredible. Uh, we've come really far. Obviously, social media has completely changed uh, the game. That's a huge thing. I'm not on any social media, by the way. That's kind of like my sticker. It's, uh, it's actually one of the best decisions I've ever made, to be honest with you. I'm on no form at all of social media. So uh, I actually think it's enhanced the quality, quality of my life. Uh, and that's been good. But you're right. 20 years, there's been such a huge difference. But in some cases, everything's still the same. I mean, I would imagine high school football is still a huge deal. I worked in Des Moines, Iowa. After I worked in South Jersey, high school football was a gigantic deal. We won't be talking about it too much on our show, but I do believe, as the old politician Tip O'Neill used to say, all politics is local uh, and all sports is local. Um, at the end of the day, you might be talking about, are we going to keep in the NBA bubble? Can hockey's double bubble work? Is the NFL okay without a bubble? Is baseball okay without a bubble? Maybe, maybe not. But at the high school level, it's going to be made in a county-by-county county decision to play high school football. And I don't think Phil Murphy can come out and say, we are or aren't playing high school football. I think you're really going to see it in the individual towns and districts. And that's what, make lo that's what makes local sports really cool. You control your area because you know it better than anybody. I don't know what I'm more impressed by, your memory of your time down here, the fact that you're so keenly in tune with the governor's name or you pulled a Tip O'Neill quote from the 1980s out of your back pocket i mean you're firing on cylinders today and this i think this gets back to what people are going to expect in the morning show hunter well i will say one thing he did say central jersey and i'm a big believer and there's only south jersey and north jersey there is one big debate when it comes to the state is there central i don't think there is i certainly think there is Zuba, no. you, want, you want to weigh in here well, it's funny. As you know, central New Jersey to most people is uh, just in between New York and Philly. Right? So I have to make sure we give ourselves some level of like, we do exist. We are out there. Uh, no, but I grew up probably, I grew up in a town called East Windsor, which is in Mercer County. It's not too far from where you guys are. I mean, I absolutely loved living down there. Um, it's just such a beautiful place. And it's funny, I having grown up my entire life in New Jersey, because there's beaches all along where we live in central New Jersey, I never really made it down 
to the shore area where you guys are. Um, I loved it. I absolutely uh, wish I could get back a little bit more, um, but it's quite a bit of a ride to get all the way down there. But it was one of those things where I think if you look at it, I'm happy to say that I thought we had some great people come through there. You know, John Clark was a predecessor of mine who works at NBC Philadelphia, does a great job. Also a local Philly guy. Uh, Eric Yupsey followed me. Mike Dearman was here with us. Pete Thompson, I'm still in touch with via text. Um, so it's great because a lot of times what happens at stations of that size is there's always a lot of people cycling in and cycling out. And a lot of people will eventually cycle in and out of the media industry in general. But the fact that we've all been able to remain in close contact with each other, even though some of us are in the media, some of us aren't, it's just a great time. Everyone's single. Everyone, you know, nobody's, you know, really doing it any, for any other reason than this is something they've always wanted to try. And sometimes it works for people. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, but I'm really glad I had an opportunity to work there. And I was sad to see that the station is no longer operational. It's always going to be a part of me. But I've been told that uh, the, uh, the station and that the 7-Eleven that we always used to go get dinner at right across the street, <laughs> hot dog for dinner tonight, we're living it up big. Uh, that's not open either. So, you know, I guess it's just the uh, you know, reality of the times, but it was fun time. Zuba Mahenti joining us here on the Boardwalk on the Hotline. He is your co-host of the new ESPN Radio Morning Show starting August 17th. It is Zubin, Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, the three men on your morning show starting August 17th right here on 97.3 ESPN, 6 to 10 a.m. Zubin, you mentioned the bubbles. So let's touch on those bubbles. In this area, there's a lot of talk going on right now with the teams that are in the bubbles. Let's start with the puck's on the ice, though. The Flyers, huge win yesterday, and now heading into this weekend, they have a chance to go one or two seeded. I know you do a lot of work with guys like Barry Melrose and all those people up there with the hockey stuff. So what are your thoughts on what the NHL bubble has looked like and your thoughts on the Flyers? Yeah, I would say two things. I think the Flyers, obviously a great season. I think for the casual fan, this, this concept of the qualifying tournaments and then the seeding games and the best of five, it's just too much, right? If you're a casual fan or you're not like a Flyers fan, it's very difficult to follow this. It's sort of like the FedEx Cup playoffs in golf or like what's happened with NASCAR and the chase. If I can't understand the rules of how you determine a champion, it's really hard to follow. Like I said, if you're a hockey fan, you're into it. And I do like the notion of the 24 teams. And obviously some are going home. And one of the eight that's going home is going to get the number one overall pick. That's interesting. But again, if you're just a casual fan, it's too head spinning. So I wish the league would have done something to really bring in a wider swath because people are once again reengaging with sports like they never have before. And, and it's just it's fine to watch it on NBC Sports Network. It's just so complicated at times. I will say the bubble's been great. Um, you know, they've been testing about 800 players. I think the last time I saw there was only a couple positive the two cities are interesting. Obviously, there is uh, some money to be saved there, um, you know, with the dollar and the strength of the dollar versus what's going on in Canada. But the biggest thing is that, you know, Canada has 10% of the United States population. And, I mean, I'm not saying anything political here. I just think that they, and like everyone else on Earth, has probably handled this coronavirus a little better uh, than we have. So it's probably a little bit safer uh, to have it up there with the lower population uh, anyway. Um, but that's generally my thoughts. I think the Flyers are in a great position here. Saturday is going to be a big spot for a lot of those division-leading teams. We'll see what happens on Friday and Saturday in and around the league. Uh, I wish it was a little simpler. I really do. Uh, but I totally think they've done a great job with their bubble. And my favorite line is from Gary Bettman, who probably isn't the world's most popular sports commissioner, who did say he's been on the job almost a quarter century now. And he said, this year when I hand out the Stanley Cup trophy, 
uh, nobody can boo me. No fans can boo me, which I thought was a good little sense of humor from him. No doubt about it. I thought Getman has put together a really strong plan. Now, I will say it will get simpler after this round because it will eventually become just your standard yeah. Stanley Cup playoff. So um, the, the no fans thing, though, I'm a hockey guy, and I thought it would be so brutal to see a big-time goal without fans in a Stanley Cup playoff environment. But the presentation of this with the seats being covered and the no fans and then playing music, the home team, whoever scored, actually, it's not just the home team, whoever scores, they get their goal song. I think the presentation has been great even without fans. I sometimes don't even notice that they're not there. I completely agree. I think the two sports that have done the best job, in my opinion, uh, hockey is one. Uh, television products has always looked good, and you're right. The way that they've kind of cordoned everything off is great. Uh, and I also think NASCAR is virtually exactly the same, watching it with no fans. I, I have not gone to a NASCAR race, but our NASCAR people, Ryan McGee, our NASCAR expert, had mentioned to me that he said that if you go to a NASCAR race, it's so loud in the grandstands, you're not even really talking to the person next to you because of the engines and everything happening uh, on the track. So that's an interesting standpoint. So to have no fans there, it's not like you're really missing the ebb and flow of the fans. The, uh, the event is just so loud with everything else going on. There's been a real difference in golf. I definitely think there's a real issue there, but there's nothing they can do. Tiger had postulated something really interesting. A lot of young guys like Colin Morikawa and Matthew Wolf, these young guys are winning these tour events. And Tiger actually weighed in and said, you know what? Part of the reason I think they're doing so well is that when they played in college, Morikawa, Cal, and Matthew Wolf, former NCAA winner at Oklahoma State, Tiger said basically none, nobody's really following these guys playing collegiate golf. So when they get to the PGA Tour and nobody's there following them, it's no big deal to them. You know, other guys like Tiger, Phil, Kepka, these guys are, you know, uh, Rory, they're, they're, they're working off the energy of the crowd. I mean, somebody has watched Tiger hit practically every shot since the 90s, right? I don't think there's a shot Tiger's hit on the course since the 90s on the PGA Tour that somebody wasn't there at some point or another almost to watch. So I think golf is struggling. We'll see what happens with the NFL uh, and college football. The show will launch 12 days from week zero. I think the NBA has lost a little bit of it with no crowd. And then obviously you could take it or leave it with the cardboard cutouts in baseball. But the one thing I will tell you, I think that the Rockies have done that's really cool. Everybody's got a different experiment. Uh, the Rockies are putting former legendary Rockies behind home plate. So like when you see a pitch come, you're like, oh, that's Todd Helton's goatee. I remember that so well when I used to cover Todd Helton. So every team's taken it a little bit differently. But, I, but I, I think you're right. Hockey has really been able to adjust quite well. Speaking of the bubble, Zubin, uh, one of the sports also in the bubble is the NBA. And, you know, the NBA, I thought, is really cool with the virtual fans and how, like Connor was saying, for the NBA, they're playing like the home arena sound. And even the Sixers' Tobias Harris joked that the other night when they won, he said, eh, it was a home game, so we had the win. So it seems like the players are also playing up to it as well. You know, sometimes the Blazers, they come out and they wave to people there, even though there's nobody there. So it seems like also in the NBA, the, the players are having fun with the whole virtual fan, fan not there situation. It's tough because, yeah, when Giannis is streaking to the hoop, he had a couple of ridiculous spin moves uh, yesterday when we were watching him. You know, there's really not much there. I, obviously, they lost to the Nets the other day in a huge upset when Giannis only played the first half. But you have a big fear the deer sign as Giannis is, you know, streaking towards the hoop. Like you said, they're sort of making it a home court feel. What's tough for the Lakers and the Bucks, who have obviously both clinched the one seed, is – uh, game seven of the NBA finals would be October 13th if it were to happen. 
And obviously you work all season long to get home court and play well pre-pandemic and afterwards. And obviously home court really won't manifest itself. So even the teams that have earned the top seed, yeah, you'll get an easier playoff matchup. And I'm sure the Lakers would rather play John Morant and the Grizzlies than see the Nuggets or the Clippers until they have to see those two teams. But there is something that's lost with the bubble and the fact that you won't be able to accentuate that home court advantage. The other thing I would say to your point is I think is a, a really good one, which is, you know, look, Let's just take the Clippers because that's just – or the Sixers. I mean, obviously the Sixers are decimated now with this Ben Simmons injury. But let's just say the you know, Sixers were to make some sort of miraculous run. You know, if you win the NBA Finals, you'll be in the bubble for two and a half months. Uh, if you're a player, you can eventually have your family there. If you're a coach, you can't have your family there at all at any round. But if you win the NBA title – uh, and it takes you two and a half months to do it. To me, I mean, I'm not there. We have people there, but I would say as a trade-off, like the Clippers are a great example because they've never been to the Western Conference Finals. If the Clippers were to win the NBA Finals for two and a half months of work, yes, it's arduous. You're away from your friends and your family, emotional. It can get a little lonely. It's a little strange. You have to really curtail your habits. But if you can do it for two and a half months, you can call yourself an NBA champion for the rest of your life. And that's a good trade-off, right? No doubt about it. Now, you brought up the Sixers, and obviously with Ben Simmons out right now, we don't have a timetable on when he's got to return. Let's just hypothetically say that he will not be available for the first round of playoffs, and the Sixers are matched up with, let's say, the Celtics. Do you think that with Joel and B, Tobias, Al Horford, that they can win that matchup based off of their size? I do. I do. I, I love numbers in sports as much as anybody. But last night on SportsCenter, when I was working with uh, our crew, we ran, obviously, a story, you know, and then, you know, Brett Brown's comments about how well he was playing all this stuff. But this is where I think sometimes we get the numbers, get the best of us. You know, so we, we run a little story on Ben Simmons. He's hurt. Here's Brett Brown. And then after, you know, we always have to come up with some sort of crazy metric, right? That's like the new thing. I don't want to go back to 2000 when I was writing things on a piece of paper and didn't have the internet. But <laughs> in 2020, sometimes we're going a little overboard. So, for example, you know, I'm sure you've seen the stats that when Simmons and Embiid are on the floor together, they're actually more effective when Embiid's on the floor and Simmons isn't. And we kept hammering home that point. And I never like to question our guys and our, and our, they come up with great numbers, our guys and gals. But it's just like pump the brakes here. There's no scenario in which Brett Brown would rather only have Joel Embiid on the floor than Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons. I get it. The numbers clog in the lane. If you could only have one, who would you rather have? Both guys are injury prone. I get all that. Um, but I do think with the lack of home court, if, like I mentioned, if the matchup works, I think they can do it. I do believe this is a reprieve for basically any coach in the NBA. I can't, I, you can't fire your coach. I know Brett Brown's been on a hot seat for a really long time. But because of the circumstances of where we are and what's going on, I think every team just, I wouldn't say get the mulligan or a pass, but you do what you can. But for a team like the Sixers, I wasn't angling for home court in the first round anyway. They seem kind of meandered around that sixth spot and have been for a while or in and around that spot. The fact that you don't have home court advantage and there aren't going to be any fans there, I think that could actually bode well for a super talented team that just doesn't have the wins to show for it. Zub Mahenti has been joining us here on the Boardwalk on the Hotline here on 97.3 ESPN, the new ESPN radio morning show, 6 to 10, starting August 17th. Zubin, Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, you can hear it right here on 97.3 ESPN. Zubin, before we let you go, you know, give us a little idea about what people can look forward to with the morning show. Obviously, it could be a very different style and flavor than people maybe are used to in the past for the last 20 years. No doubt. And their formula worked. But at the same token, if we could have half as much success as they have had, we'd take it right now. I'd sign. But obviously, we can't be them because we're us. 
You know, we have to be who we are. It's a pretty unique combination, whatever euphemism you want to use. You don't see three dudes like us on Sports Talk Radio very often. So that's something we're certainly cognizant of. But the reality is the show is still about sports. I mean, that's the number one thing. And for me, it's just like I told you, getting the best out of these guys. They have great stories to tell. And we want to make sure they can relate that to the modern day. I don't need these guys going back into the old arc. And back in my day, you know, I get all that. They had some great stories. But you got to relate it to today's athlete. And I think because these guys are different, we'll have some disparate opinions. I also think three people, as you guys know in the radio business, can be challenging for the production staff. It can be challenging for the host. But it's much better for the listener. And at the end of the day, all that matters is what's important to the listener. The other stuff you just work out, the listener is most important. Um, and so having three guys, I think, is going to engender a lot of different conversation in the way that it's going to be similar to the two previous iterations. It's, we're going to talk football. and We're going to talk football pretty much the entire show. Like I said, we do launch on the day of the NBA playoffs, and the NBA is big, but it's predominantly going to be an NFL and college football show. And, you know, I asked Key the other day what he thought about Doug Peterson and COVID, and he had a response I never really expected. I said, look, I mean, Doug Peterson, former Eagles quarterback, head coach, isn't it a little bit strange if he won't be able to connect with Wentz? And Key was like, listen, bro, I've been in the locker room for a long time. It's all about the QB coach. And, you know, I mean, are the Eagles one of the teams? I think this is one of the more fascinating stories in the NFL. I don't know if you guys have discussed this on your show because I know how big the Eagles are uh, down there, of course, um, every year. But, you know, on most teams, I would say the backup quarterback is not one of the 10 most important players on any team. Look, I mean, the, the Rams have put a ton of money into Jared Goff. Their backup is a guy named John Wolford. I don't care how smart Sean McVay is. He does not want to roll out there with John Wolford. But on the Eagles, I would say your backup quarterback, Hurts or whatever the situation is, is one of the 10 most important players on the team because obviously Wentz's inability to finish any campaign strongly or finish it at all. So, you know, that's a unique twist we can talk about. Key, when you were with the Jets, who was the backup quarterback? He might say, I don't care. I said, well, I if I'm the Eagles and I have Super Bowl aspirations and how he's done such a great job putting it together, your backup quarterback, a guy you don't even think twice about, could be one of the most vital players on the team. So we want to make sure that we can have those conversations in and around teams that you care about and in and around teams that fans care about. And uh, we'll see what happens August 17th. I'm looking forward to it. We don't know each other all that well, but I actually think that can make for some good organic radio as we sort of uh, figure each other out. Absolutely. By the way, you can remind uh, Keith, I think the backup quarterback at that point when he was the Jets was Rutgers' own Ray Lucas. So you can uh, rub that in his face if he doesn't remember Ray. How about that, Zubin? I will tell you, I went to Rutgers. So, you know, we don't have a long list uh, of guys that have made it to the NFL. Uh, he did a good job, and as you know, he's parlayed to a nice media career actually he has, talking yeah. about the Jets, so that tip stop actually turned out to be worth it. <laughs> Absolutely. Zubin Mahenti, Keyshawn Johnson, Jay Williams, starting August 17th, 6 to 10. You hear the morning show every day right here on 97.3 ESPN. As all guests, Zubin Mahenti joined us on the boardwalk kind on of the hotline. Zubin, appreciate the time, and best luck with the new show. Anytime. Call me anytime. Love to talk to you guys. South Jersey's radio home for Flyers playoff hockey is 97.3 ESPN. Listen as Tim Saunders and Steve Coates call all the action. Flyers playoff hockey. Send a text message, 609-403-0973. That's 609-403-0973. Josh Hennig filling in for Mike Gill here on the Sports Bench, along with Hunter Birdie. 
here on 97.3 ESPN. First hour of the Sports Bash being brought to you by placing your legal sports bets at PlaySugarHouse.com. Sign up now and they'll match your first deposit up to $250. Must be 21 in order to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Speaking of PlaySugarHouse.com, let's go check out the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. Keith texted in Hunter a little bit ago. says, Flyers solid defense. Two great goalies and timely goal scoring equals Lord Stanley. Let's go Flyers from Keith on the PlaySugarHouse.com text board. I think this team needs to work on the power play a little bit, but the penalty kill is just tremendous. They went 4-4, 4-4-4 when it comes to the penalty kill yesterday and keeping guys like Alexander Ovechkin off the score sheet, it's magnificent. And as I stated from the top of the show, five games now against the Capitals and you hold someone like Ovechkin to zero points, that's so impressive. That whole team holding them down because there's more than him. You got Oshie on that team. Who's nets off? I mean, you got tons of talent on that team, and it's like you got goose egg, basically most of the time. It's it's really incredible. I think it'll come back to bite them though if they're not scoring on that power play. I thought I agree. that there were plenty of opportunities for them to just shut the game down, and the fact that they didn't score, they went 0 for six on the power play. The fact that they did not score and still won the game easily shows you what type of team they are. They can win in so many different ways. Sometimes if you go 0 for 6 on the power play, you know, uh-oh, this team's going to lose it. They lost their chance, but they still found a way. But now we're if we're going to start to transition into legit postseason hockey, going up against these great teams in a seven-game series, you got to cash in a couple times to blow the game away when you have the, the chance to. Well, I promise you some Flyers news. I'm excited. Should I be? Is this bad news? I don't think it's bad news. Okay. It's interesting news. Okay. Uh, James Van Riemsdyk will be back in the lineup tomorrow with Grant and Aubé Kubel. Huh. Joel Farabee will move up to the top line with Couturier and Giroux. Wow. Voracek will not play tomorrow. Huh. Did they say why? Uh, Just all Elaine Vigneault says he's not available to play. Is that a COVID-19 sentence or no? No. Okay. I, I think that's more of like the, you know, the goaltenders, they're, they're not fit to play or something like that. I mean, Warchuk did take a nice little spill yesterday. So, you know, maybe he's a little. Well, this is where we can bring in the conversation on how does Elaine Vigneault value these play-in rounds? Is it to the point now where it's, let's make sure Voracek's okay, but we still have a chance to get the first seed? At this point, you're playing with house money. You're either the first or second seed when you came into the round-robin play as the fourth seed. So, you're in a good spot regardless. Speaking of house money, Shane Gostaspare back in the lineup tomorrow. He will be on the line with Justin Braun. I don't think you'll see Shane Goss's bear play when things matter. This is a, hey, let's get him in the lineup so we can get his feet going just in case an injury happens. But it does seem like Ghost is the odd man out at this point. Also, the starter in goal tomorrow for the Philadelphia Flyers, the Canadian, Carter Hart. Of course. Yeah, you knew that was coming. That's I want to see how he's going to do because this is... The first time, and I'm not going to say this is insane pressure because it's either first or second seed. You're still in good hands. But there's some pressure to get that first seed for Carter, and I want to see how comfortable he looks. Joel Farabee, though, getting up on that first line, he was playing really well with Albay Cabell yesterday when he slid into that slot. So it'll be interesting to see. Although he did play with Giroux before, he has played with those players, and, and he's fast, no doubt about it. That speed is definitely something that line could utilize JVR, though, it's interesting. We have a coach in Brett Brown with the Sixers being all over the place right now. 
And then you have someone like Elaine Vigneault. Now, I don't think, a lot of people try and bring up the comparison of, you know, look at Elaine Vigneault and look at the Brett Brown and the Sixers. People forget to mention that the Flyers added two veteran defensemen. They added a goaltender that actually knows how to stop a puck. They had great production from someone like Oscar Lindblom that you never would have expected. You had Scott, Law Scott Lawton take a huge jump in his career. Same with Travis Konechny. So, I mean, yes, Elaine Vigneault is definitely very entertaining, and I think he does push the right buttons right now. But it does not compare to what happened to the Sixers and Brett Brown because the, the Flyers added so much to their roster while that didn't really happen with the Sixers. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think that we can't overlook the fact that when it comes to the Flyers, we have to give them a lot of credit for the depth. I mean, the depth on this team, I think, is a huge part of their success as well. And as you mentioned, if someone goes down, you're going to Farabee and you're going to JVR and you're going to Gostas Bear. You're not going to Joe Schmo that no one even knows if he can play hockey or not. You're going to legitimate guys who can play in the NHL, and I think it's a big deal of this team's success as well. It is. To think about the fact that this team lost Michael Roffel, and, you know, not that Roffel is this insane stellar player, but he's a veteran piece that you can plug in when you need to, and you can you can trust him out there. You lose Michael Roffel, and you throw in Joel Farabee. You also take out JVR just to send a message, and you still go out there and beat the Washington Capitals 3-1. to You took out one of your best goal scorers just to send a message, and you put in someone like Bunneman. And you, and you go out there and succeed. And that's not a knock on Bunneman, but that just kind of shows what you were saying where this team has depth. And the fact that you can do that with JVR and you can lose Michael Roffle and you still have players that can play, it's tremendous. I can't wait to see what this team truly does because I don't throw it around lightly. When I, when I, when I talk about the Stanley Cup right now, yes, I'm kind of having fun with it and being obnoxious with the entertainment. But I truly do mean it when I say that. This team does look like they have it.